We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This is episode 234 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Plenty to get through here as we head down the home stretch of the NFL season. We hope your uh, fantasy football playoffs are alive and well. If they aren't, we got more winning picks because we're back on the winning train, or at least I am. My you know, trade Matt season. I can still take play. my nine and six right now. <laughs> You're ten yeah. five. I can't, yeah. I can't be you, mad at uh, to that. No, can't be can't be mad at that. Uh, you did deserve this one for dancing around the Chicago Bears a second straight week. We will get there in just a moment, but first, Matt, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, happy, healthy, which is good right now. Amidst this newest uh, mm-hmm. surge of whatever, got my booster yesterday, so I'm nice. fighting fighting through. Woke up this morning with the, the slightest side effects, but I'm I'm already doing all right. So so we're good. How about yourself? Uh, doing well as well. Um, taking care of a, a sick fiance throughout the week. Um, but, uh, we trudge on, we, You're a hero. we do a, you know, some say, but, uh, I just know. did. Yeah. Yeah. That's not for <laughs> me to, that's not, that's, you know, that's, that's not my place. If you want to sing praise, if you want to, you know, offer accolades, I, I'm never going to turn it down. It's fair uh, point. But, uh, but none of that is needed. None of that is needed. We do have to talk about some things today. Uh, the apathy uh, that has completely set in surrounding the Chicago Bears team, uh, not not just by us. Like I, at this point, it's a comedy of errors. Um, it almost seems like within that building, there's a little bit of uh, of don't care starting to go around with how just terribly they played. Maybe not even between the whistles, but like just how poorly they performed within what's required of you as mm-hmm. a football team to compete in a football game. They just didn't have it. They just don't have it. Uh, we will talk bears bikes. We will whip it around the NFL. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA NHL cancellation, what this means move forward. We are a tiger podcast. We, we are to talk tiger, Charlie, also the dailies winning the PNC, some fun stuff there. We'll go into the mailbag we'll give you some winning picks and we will wrap it on up because we know you want to spend time with your friends and family this holiday season but we got to give you moose and runes 234 uh so matt let's begin with the bears i I don't you know a lot can be said i don't want to say a lot um I, i guess let's just give our our headlines here mine being that uh they're the worst coat outside of the I would have said the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago were the worst coach team in the NFL. With Urban Meyer no longer being their head coach, I think the Chicago Bears are the worst coach team in the NFL just with the way that they performed and their lack of preparation against the Vikings. I, you know, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how the defense and how the secondary responded. Granted, it seemed oh, like in the second half. Huge. Uh, with how Kirk – Great it, it point. Seemed, it seemed like the second half that um, – Mike a bunch, Zimmer of, a bunch of backups, some, you know. Mike Zimmer did some Mike Zimmer things, and once he realized the Bears weren't going to move, he was like, okay, we're not even going to try to throw. I'm not going to let Kirk ruin this game for us. So that's kind of why, yeah. you know, they, they you know Cousins only threw for 87, and they didn't really do much offensively because Mike Zimmer didn't let them. Um, but that said, like early on, like Kirk Cousins still threw 24 times, and I don't care what you've seen in practice and all that kind of stuff and how bad the Bears' secondary has been, how bad their corners have been how that was the first time we saw any action from sixth round draft pick Thomas Graham, not just guy we picked up off the street, not undrafted free agent guy that's been on the practice squad all year, sixth round draft pick Thomas Graham, how 
you didn't know he had, I mean, he had a great game. He had three pass defenses, seven tackles. Like how you didn't know he at least deserved a shot after seeing that. I, I, I mm-hmm. just don't understand it. Um, yeah. I, they're missing Jalen Johnson, who uh, we can get to him a little bit after his comments about the locker room kind of being out of it, which I actually agreed with and was happy with him saying, but like, they didn't have a secondary. They didn't have a secondary leader, and I thought the secondary actually played pretty darn well. Yeah, Justin Jefferson got open because Justin Jefferson gets open against Jalen Johnson and your top corners in the NFL. Yeah. And, they didn't and get if, you, if, you, if you put a piece of paper in front of me that said, sign here for four receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown out of Justin Jefferson, I'd say done, done, and done because we're probably in a football game if yeah. that's the case. I did not expect this secondary to bow up the way that they did. Defense played awesome. Mm-hmm. Hicks got to the quarterback twice, which I've been very critical of Akeem over the last couple of years. And, you know, he was creating havoc in the middle. A guy we've been critical in, Robert Quinn, continues to make us eat crow and comes off the edge. He's going to uh, set the Bears single-season sack record. He, he's He's been unbelievable this year and you put that also in the framework of there being no Khalil Mack on the other side it's like he almost got better once mm-hmm. Mack was out I know that makes no sense I know that there's probably no correlation there and it's more coincidence than anything but like you'd think that the chip is coming Robert Quinn's way now and not Khalil Mack's way and things would get harder on him but he's continued to produce in that sense Roquan is still a monster it just seems like this team can't get on the same page you know the defense shows up this week and the offense sputters and the offense can't figure it out I was you know, I was pretty bummed about the way that Justin played um, from a lazy fumble to an unacceptable couple throws um, to what looks like, I'd say, regressing footwork. Um, if you look at him when he's in the – I'll tell you if it's quick game or if he's trying to work the ball downfield in the first half second mm-hmm. ball snap. When he takes the snap in the quick game, he doesn't have – so when he's in the gun, yeah, he doesn't have a three-step. He doesn't even have a hitch. He takes the ball and he and plants turns, yeah. Down. And it's bad. It's bad because a defense has – you're immediately telling the defense which side of the field you're going to. And for him to work through his reads, he needs to restart his feet rather than, hey, I got the snap, my feet are working, let me work through my reads type thing. It's, it's worrying me some of the little things that are starting to happen because of – the people that are or mm-hmm. aren't around him right now. So I'm really hoping that Justin gets around the right people this off season because God damn, the toughness is there. Um, the, 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 ceiling, the big playability is there. Like he's showing the, the ceiling flashes. is so high. The big yep. playability is there. You just can't let those, um, you can't let those negative habits really mm-hmm. sew into who you are as a football player. And I hope that's not what's happening right now um, because uh, like you said, I think we do have some special uh, mm-hmm. on our hands. We here. see the special. There, there are flashes and, um, of the special. It's a matter of getting guys around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess next logical place to go here in talking about Justin would be um, talking about his left tackle and Tevin Jenkins. I know a lot of people kind of fall on different sides of the situation where he uh, mm-hmm. went after the defender who may have given Fields a little bit of a push out out of bounds. Like you know. I, I had no problem with there being no flag there. Justin did end up way out of bounds, but the contact began inbounds. Fact of the matter is I saw on multiple occasions, not just that, but after a fourth down when another, I think it was a fourth and, or was it a third down? It was a third and long, I believe, and Fields put a ball right on Cole Komet or Demir Bird. It was Demir Bird. Demir Bird had a had he a put a ball right on drop, yeah. Demir right on Demir Bird. Would have been a first down. He dropped it and like they cut back to Fields and Jenkins was already like 
arm around him, patting him on the head, like, great throw, mm-hmm. let's go, buddy, come on. I, I, I liked what I saw to Tevin Jenkins, despite the 15-yard penalty that cost us what? I don't know. It cost him 15. Like, it was it, – it, did it cost him it, the game? I think, no. I think what I learned – I think what I learned was worth that 15 yards. That yes. Tevin Jenkins is – Tevin Jenks is going to have his guys back, and that that's important to me. And from an on-field standpoint, too, for a guy – now, he luckily has a fantastic mentor ahead of him, and, and Jason Peters, a surefire, uh, you know, surefire Hall of Fame left tackle. But, like, for a guy that has only been practicing for a month, think of – like, he hasn't been even practicing for less than a month at a brand-new position because I know it's a tackle, but left tackle and right tackle are two completely different positions. You're asked to do a bunch of different things, oh, you a whole lot of different responsibilities, all that kind of stuff. He's raw. There's no doubt about it. And there, there's some some kinks to work out. The false starts, and uh, in all honesty, the, I think it was was it fourth and one or third and one, where they went on. Justin Fields went on the hard count, which was probably his call. Yeah. That's probably that's. I get why he might have did it. That's probably something that a few years from now he wouldn't do. But when you have an over aggressive left tackle, he's still pretty raw. That's probably something you just let. You don't really put him in that situation. But again, you can't jump. I thought he made significant strides in just this one week. I thought his, mm-hmm. his pass sets were better. I thought we noticed him a lot less, which is a good thing. Yeah, he had the one holding call early on to David Montgomery run, but I thought that was a pretty weak call anyways. Then again, I think most holding calls are weak calls. Um, I was impressed with him. Just And, and you took the uh, not off-field stuff, but the intangible type stuff that I was very Ooh. impressed with. I love. I, I liked the penalty. I, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. I, was, <laughs> I liked the penalty. I liked, I, I, you know, it, no, I get what you're saying. Justin Field, like, Justin Fields had his back in the press conference uh, last week against Green Bay, and it seemed like Devin Jenkins wanted to kind of return the favor. Uh, I like. I was fine with that penalty. Like we didn't notice him. We noticed him a lot versus Green Bay for the wrong reasons. They went up against a pretty darn good defensive front seven, defensive line. I didn't notice him a ton, which is kind of yeah, what you want from your left tackle in those types of situations. Uh, in terms um, of Justin, I thought he was. I was down on his first half. I thought he came back out in the second half and played a pretty nice second half. It was kind of like a tale of two halves for me. Um, but I, I, he's kind of similar to Tevin Jenkins in that he's incredibly talented. He's just raw right now. He needs to be coached up a little bit, and he doesn't just doesn't have the guy to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you in that these guys need the hell, all the help that they can get at this point. They're, they're rookies, and it, it's not just going to – it's not just going to – jump off the page at you. It's not just going to make sense immediately. There is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And your point that Tevin Jenkins having only been active for what less than a month now. This was his first start. Yeah, this was his what, first start. What jumps off the page at me about Jenkins is that he looks the part. Oh yeah. Um, He's a big boy. That is a big human being. And we talk about some of the, you know, standards of the position, whether it's Peters or it's uh uh, a Trent Brown or a Trent Williams or, you know, these guys Big that boys. we think of, those are, those are massive human beings. And he fits that, he fits that he template. Does. He looks the he part moves, for sure. He moves well in his body. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about there. And that's all we're doing right now is like, if you, if you want to be positive about the Chicago Bears, which I know it's very hard to be, you got to be positive about pieces. Like mm-hmm. we can be positive at, add Tevin Jenkins to the list. You know, we yeah. have this working list of like guys we'd like to see stick around. Obviously, Justin. Obviously, Monty. Now add Jenkins to that list. Uh, I think that there's something to be said for the way that uh, Jakeem Grant has been playing and and sort of what he offers to an offensive attack. I know it's a little bit redundant with what we wanted Tariq Cohen to be. Yeah. Maybe, um, I'd like to see at him the same time, not at the same time. Shot. That's someone who actually yeah. knows how to use those guys. 
at the same time, if you're telling me right now, choose between Tariq Cohen and, and Jakeem Grant, I'll I know it's Grant. tough from a contract standpoint that you got $45 million committed to a guy who hasn't played football in 12 Year months. And a half. Um, but uh, it, it, take the numbers out of it. I think I'm going with Grant at that point um, and what he offers to this offense defensively. Roquan's a piece you want to see moving forward. Um, Jalen Johnson's Johnson a piece absolutely. you want to see moving forward. I want to see more I, of Thomas. It's one game. I want to see more of Thomas Graham. Uh, he showed let, up. Let's get some more. State. Let's get some more tape on Thomas Graham. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm ready to add him to the keep him around. No, but list. he's more of uh, I want to see more of. Like he's he's a guy. Yeah. That, okay, that was well. A if nice we're making a that list, I want to see more of Eddie Goldman. Well, oh, I wouldn't well. be able to watch him play football all season. <laughs> no, um, I, think those are I want to see more of Khalil ones. Mack. I want to see more of, you know, there's a lot that I want to see more of. So I think we're dealing with different yeah. lists there. Um, but uh, no, I guess I'm getting to the point where, like, they're eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah. It, it's it's thanks to a lot of the guys who, you know, thanks to Allen Robinson for a couple of years here and all that. I don't need to see you the rest of the year. Jimmy Graham might have to play because they need bodies, but, or might have dressed because they need bodies, but, like, I'd rather see a little bit more of Jesper Horstead. He doesn't get much run, but he seems to make some big catches and big moments at times. Let's yeah. see more of him with Cole Komet. I don't know gotta what Daz Newsom. Got to feel good for Jesper. Got to feel good I, that for was Jesper. Great. Got that last he, got, he got six. Uh, I'd like to see see what like, Daz Newsom probably doesn't seem like he's impressed all that much, but Thomas Graham apparently couldn't win over and this coaching Mooney staff. Mooney offensively, great. excuse We'd me. love I to see him. Mooney, him. obviously, too. Like yeah. I'd like to see all these young guys. Like Let's, let's give them some chances. Um, I don't think Ryan Pace should stick around. Obviously, I, I would like a new so, new set of whatever eyes. I don't want to cut you off here, but I'm going to cut you off because it kind of it seems like we're at odds. It seems like we're at odds with ourselves here because mm-hmm. we're what else is we just no? named we just named what nine guys out mm-hmm. of 22 starters, and you know, yeah, some of those guys are reserves, but we named a sufficient amount of players that can be a part of a winning franchise that look like they could be a part of a winning formula. We are once again in the position where we're bottom quarter of the NFL with, I would say top half talent. And what does that tell you about a team? It tells you that a team is poorly prepared, poorly coached, can't stay healthy. It tells you a number of things. Um, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm getting out in front of myself here a little okay. bit because Love I'm trying that. to find smart. I'm trying to I'm trying to find the solution to the problem that we're going to be met with in the offseason because that problem exists right now. I get it. There's still a few more games to play, but but screw those games. This needs to be talent evaluation for next season. The, the, Ryan Pace, if he wants to, even if he even if he knows the writings on the wall, if he's still doing his job as a general manager on his whiteboard, he has a list of names and he is scratching off names of guys that just can't be a part of this because we're trying to build something mm-hmm. special because we're trying to build a winning team. And, and if that's not the goal, if that's not the process, then, you know, we got to scratch your name off too, Ryan. And it's just been really frustrating to watch this team underperform. Yeah. There's bad football teams out there. I don't think the bears are, that's the frustrating the part. Are, I don't think they are. I don't think a bad the bears are a, they're, they're a, a bad good football, football team. team. They're a bad football team in the sense that they completely don't possess the ability to execute in the moment. They're not a bad football team in the, con- in the construction. Yeah, of I don't the think team. the roster. Yeah. Maybe the salary roster. cap, maybe the salary cap, but looking at the 53 man roster, what you saw out of the depth in the back end last week uh, against the Vikings, it tells you that there's some talent there, which makes it exceedingly more frustrating. Like mm-hmm. if you're the Houston Texans and you're going to win two games or three games, because you're a bad football team, because you don't have talent on the field, I get it. If you're the Detroit Lions, you don't have enough talent on the football field, and you want to celebrate your two wins, and you just peeled it off the Cardinals, throw a freaking parade. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Bears have talent on the field. They 
have talent on the team. It is poorly coached talent. It is poorly coached talent. It is poorly developed talent. Um, it, it's exceedingly frustrating to watch them underperform not just our expectation as fans, but the general expectation of those individuals on the field. Because I'm sure those guys all see themselves as world beaters because that's how you make it to the NFL is you think the highest of yourself, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine that it sits well with the talent on this team walking into that locker room every day and saying, damn, that's an all pro. Damn, that's a pro bowler. Damn, that's a young stud. Damn, that's a beast of a defensive line. Why can't we win a damn football game? You know? I, th I think it's, you hit the, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the word development. I think we've seen a whole lot of, there have been there have been these good draft picks that we found, you know, sixth round pick, whatever that, that have you know turned out to be good. A lot of these guys, if you, like they jump out of the scene, they onto the scene like right away. Name one player that we've kind of gone through that has been like started out as a project, and actually we're starting to see the finished project now. Not still just hoping he can develop. Like I, I'm thinking of Cole Komet, yeah. who we see has all the raw tools in oh, the world. Man. He's the same player he was on day one coaching staff is failing him they're not it's partially on him too like coaching staff is failing in his development uh I, I, okay I'm, okay uh, what's his name is, adam shaheen but, same thing I, I stick into tight ends here i guess but like i guess I'm, this isn't absolving ryan pace because like you said the the salary cap brutal he hired matt Nagy, so that's also a problem he's a lot he's signed off on a lot of these coaches he's paid a lot of these players he's missed some big time picks but like some of those players with the raw talent is there they do, or the sixth round picks sometimes you know jump out and they're good right away. The talent development of this roster has completely been bungled, failed, whatever you want yeah. to say. No one actually develops under this coaching staff. They stay stagnant, which is a problem. Um, I, you know, I I've gotten to the point where I can't have you invoke the name Cole Komet and fair enough. Uh, not not give that young man some flack because oh he deserves flack. If he does not have feet for hands, I yeah. don't know what the he problem deserves is. Flag. Like what? what? I just I don't get it. Like, yes, part of it's player development, but I think that's more grasping the offense. Mm -hmm. I think that's more, um, you know, learning the tools of the trade. But the kid that came out of Notre Dame was better than this. Mm -hmm. I, I he was better at Notre, Notre Dame than he was. <laughs> he was with the Bears. He's almost yeah, regressed. That's what I'm saying. Like the the kid the kid with the gold helmet on had hands. Like mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know that that's a product of the coaching staff and like you know they're they're. Um, inability to develop these players, or I think it's a little bit of both. For being honest, Cole Komet overthinking things because he's not comfortable in the offense yet, or that's um, him just not liking the people that he's around. You can make a million excuses for it. Got to catch a damn football oh, and throw totally it away because we have a rookie quarterback trying to build confidence who was twenty six of thirty nine on the day and. Damn it, if there weren't four drop passes and he shouldn't have been 30 at 39, I mean, you know? The way Justin feel, and I know, like we said earlier, right when we started talking about this, there's definitely some fundamentals to be worked on. And they need to get the right coach in there to coach some of that stuff out of them. But the way mm -hmm. he just tried to completely drag that offense, just drag them along by the leash yeah. and pull them to points, they couldn't do it because stupid penalties, bad play calls, all that kind of stuff. Like we, We've seen it for four years now. Matt Nagy just does not know how to call plays in the red zone unless it's freaking Santa's sleigh on the goal line. Um, yeah. Like The way he tried to drag that offense along was admirable. He made some big plays, showed some flashes. He just, he's got no help. He has absolutely I feel no like, help. I feel like we say it every time um, we get to this point of the conversation, but like if you were to go back and redraft the quarterback class a year ago, 
fields might be won. Like if we just take away, if we, if you were able to redraft those guys after one year of NFL football, um, I'm sure Mac Jones would gain some sort of edge there because of what the team has done, because how he's, you know, developed in that system with the right people around him. I'm not sure he's a better quarterback than Justin Fields. Um, I'm not sure he's a, uh, I'm not sure he's as talented as Justin Fields, but he's succeeding in the offense and they're putting him in a position to succeed, which is something that can't be said for the rest of these guys. Uh, Trey Lance hasn't seen the field. Zach Wilson's been awful. Um, Trevor Lawrence has been, you know, he's looked like just also, he's also, no, he's looked worse. Yeah. He, okay. That's ham, fair. He's, he's looked been worse. Than he's been hamstrung by his situation, but at the same time, he's making some Cole Komet type mistakes where it's like, okay, fundamental here. This isn't something that needed to be learned at the next level. You just made a bad throw. Your footwork's poor. You're putting the ball on the ground. Like, I'm very happy with the guy we have moving forward, I guess, relative yeah. to all the other quarterback talent from a year ago and the quarterback talent this year. Can you imagine if we played this whole season with some amalgamation of Andy Dalton and Nick Foles and Justin Fields was not at the Chicago Bears quarterback? Oh, no. We, were, I, we wouldn't be talking we were, anymore. And we had the first overall pick. And we had, or we had the second overall pick, and we were trying to talk ourselves into Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral. Like goodness gracious, like I, I guess it's all how you frame it. And if you frame it that way, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be where we're at right now. Which is a weird thing to say about think, being a Chicago Bears fan. If looking at it from the outside, looking in, obviously we're inside, so we're very close to it. But looking at it from mm-hmm. you know from above and, and from away from it, from honestly the perspective of incoming head coaching candidates. You have your quarterback set, or at least the guy that you know you're going to want to work with. He's going to he's he's your guy. He's got the potential star, star mm-hmm. potential, whatever. You have your left tackle, which is at least you have the guy that you think is going to be your left tackle. Those are two of the three most important positions in football. It's mm-hmm. protect the quarterback, protect the quarterback, go get the quarterback. I, I love Robert Quinn. He's 31 years old. I, I don't think that's something a head coach is looking at and being like, yeah, we got the guy here forever. He's Probably a trade chip, honestly, at this point, too, because you mm-hmm. need to get draft capital. But you have a receiver that has a good chemistry with your quarterback. You have a whole you have a cornerback, you have a middle line, like you have a whole lot of pieces looking at this from, from an outside perspective. We're close to it. It's very easy to get mad and because we hate the head coach and we, we hate what this team has become because we know they should be better. But this is a good situation and for a new head coach, a guy hopefully they get the, they have to get the right one. But this is a good situation that you look at that some of this cap situation is clearing up that with the right guy and you add some of the right pieces around him, this is a good – this is a very good job. This is a good group to come into because, like I said, you have two of the three most important things you're looking at when you're, when you're a head coach coming in. Matt continues to sell the Bears job. I think a it's a good job. Position. <laughs> I, well, look, look at what else is going to be available. The, the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but Justin Fields is, like you said so far, kind of looked better than Trevor Lawrence. Like, well, what's what? – What's the better yeah. job right now? No, I'm, no argument for me. Um, Vegas is a nice job that's out there. Uh, you got some. You got a quarterback there. You, you do have some questions to fulfill. Um, there's probably every year there's six openings. Uh, don't be the last one in line. That's all that I ask. That's fair. Uh, let's get to our NFL whip around because I'm not sure that uh, beating our heads against the Bears wall is going to get us anywhere further. So with that said, Matt, should we begin on Thursday with the Chiefs and the Chargers? The Chiefs. Coming all the way back from the abyss, we were ready to write them off. They win 38-28, uh, excuse me, 34-28 in overtime. 
Yeah, right? Well, yeah. Overtime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Travis overtime Kelsey had the game. long walk uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey, that was a beautiful hell rip, of a football game. one off. Um, you know, this Chiefs team, they're now top of the conference. They've won seven straight or eight straight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight. Yeah. And they look like a Super Bowl contender they again. They started out um, three and four, and they're probably going to get the one seed. Think yeah, about that. Sometimes you, sometimes you push your food around. Nobody wants it in the AFC, and they come right back and uh, beat everybody down the stretch. They have the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Broncos. So, um, you know, you could miss that there. And the odds say you probably will against one of those teams. But at worst, you're looking at a 2-1 and finish, finishing 12-5 and on the season. Mm-hmm. And you're the Kansas City damn Chiefs. Um, we'll see you at the Super Bowl probably. I have, that, that football game was absolutely awesome. I really, really hope we get another Chargers-Chiefs matchup in the playoffs. Those are now two games that they've played. Both have been fantastic. The first half, and obviously, I was getting worried about the Chargers. You know? I was, too. Like The last couple weeks, I know they're 8-6. and six. They still got some work to do. I think they're going to get to the playoffs because when it comes down to it, they're a well-coached football team with, with a very good quarterback. That mm-hmm. first half was a little bit slow-moving, as some of those Thursday nights are. Man, that second half was so much fun to watch. Those guys just kind of went back and forth, back at it the fourth quarter, especially. That was, I really hope we get a third matchup between these two in the playoffs. On Saturday, it was the Colts and the Patriots uh, trying to go ground and pound, favoring the Colts there 27 17. Jonathan Taylor breaks a long one as the nail in the coffin late. Uh, everyone who was ready to crown the Pats probably going to have to take a step back. Um, nine and five still, uh, six and one on the road, doing all of the right things, all the hallmarks of a, of a playoff team in terms of the Patriots. But Another team in the Colts that, after a slow start, has turned it around, found their identity, and looks like a playoff team. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. They found their identity, and their identity is they have an MVP candidate for running back mm-hmm. with a great offensive line. Let's just use them. They have a quarterback in Carson Wentz who isn't great, but if you don't ask him to do a whole lot of stuff, he's good enough and probably won't lose you a whole lot of ball games if you don't ask him to do, do too much. Uh, that was, again, that was a game that surprised me. That was, I thought the Colts might win. But I didn't think they'd kind of – I know the Patriots made kind of a comeback, made it interesting at the end. But the Colts kind of came out and just punched them in the mouth early and controlled that whole football game. So that, that, that's a team that runs the ball, plays good defense. <clears throat> they, that game travels, as we saw in Buffalo earlier. Watch out for them in the playoffs. They can play with anybody. Uh, sidebar, I know you just called uh, yep. Jonathan Taylor an MVP candidate. We know that will probably go to a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, don't yeah, think he's not it should, it, but, it but then that leaves, him, that leaves him for Offensive Player of the Year, but you also have a wide receiver um, doing unbelievable things and setting both NFL and franchise records on a regular pace in Cooper mm-hmm. Cup. How, how do you, what do you do? Because to, to me, if Jonathan Taylor keeps up this pace – Indy makes the playoffs, that's the MVP, and Cooper Cup's the Offensive Player of the Year. But if, if we've gotten to this point in the NFL where we can only give the MVP to a quarterback, like, I, I don't know. Brady hasn't – Brady took a step back with getting shut out. We'll get there in a second. Um, Rodgers has looked really good, but has it been MVP count? Yeah, he hasn't uh, been like when, – when you, when, you, when you position it relative what Jonathan, what Jonathan Taylor has done – I think Jonathan Taylor's your MVP. This feels a lot like the Heisman race from, what was it, last year. Like, it doesn't have to be a quarterback award. It, it, it just doesn't have to be that. Jonathan Taylor, is, no matter – Cooper Cup's been very good. I think he probably – you're right. I think he is probably no, – very good offense. doesn't do it. You know, I, you know, he's probably the offensive player of the year. 14 touchdowns. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm 1,400 yards plus. But, like, Jonathan Taylor – is, Three receptions, four receptions, something like he, that. He is the best. Uh, he has had the best offensive year of anybody. Jonathan Taylor has been the. Again, it comes down to how you describe the award. He has been the most valuable player because if you take him off that offense, that offense is 
nothing. Okay. They're not winning if football. If you're defining games. it that way, yeah. Though that's well, that's Perfect. that's. I'm also agreeing with your award breakdown. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably the MVP. I think if you're looking at the just best offensive yeah. player of the best season, it's Cooper Cup. Because it's like, because it's like Jonathan Taylor's got 18 total touchdowns. How many times has he touched the ball this season? Um, Cooper Cup has Cooper Cup scores once every 10 times he gets the ball. It's um, impressive. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, actually, less than that. Probably once every like 9.1 times he touches the ball. Um, quick math right there, so it could be wrong. Big uh, math guy. Panthers, Panthers and Bills on Sunday. Bills win at 31-14. Didn't see a whole lot of this game. It looked like the Bills were recommitted to the run game uh, behind Devin Singletary, who had 86 yards and a touchdown. Um, it was a get-right win against a bad team. I don't think there's much more to be said. Yeah, they, it was one they needed, and they went out and got it. I, I still think we learn more about who they actually are, their mental state, and all that after this weekend. I, I think this is this was a nice game, but it was one you every and everybody expected to go like this. With a chance to clinch a playoff berth, the Cardinals two weeks ago a one seed in the NFC lose thirty to twelve to the Lions. This was not a last second field goal. This was not a walk off Jason Goff, uh, Jared Goff um, touchdown, touchdown yeah. pass. This was the Lions beating the Cardinals for their second win of the season. Astounding uh, to see what Kyler Murray and this offense have become without DeAndre Hopkins. I know that's a big part of it, but, man, that's just not getting off the bus and showing up to play a worse football team. Yeah, your, your offense can take a hit without a player like DeAndre Hopkins, but you cannot take that big of a hit and be that ineffective. I mean, you got shut out in the first half by the Detroit Lions. Uh, they have to be a lot better. Um, I yeah. I hope for their sake that was just a we didn't show up today and they got punched in the mouth because that can happen in the NFL. But they're showing some signs of not being the juggernaut we thought they might be at the start of the year. They now find themselves tied at 10-4 and four atop the NFC West with the L.A. Rams who ripped off a win on Tuesday night. Arizona does possess the tiebreaker because of their in-division record, but moving the wrong way and in a hurry. Jets and Dolphins. Dolphins win at 31-24. to This is the game I saw the least of this week. Uh, couldn't tell you a darn thing about it. That was Honestly, it was pretty fun back and forth. I mean, I saw what Red Zone showed me. Uh, Tua had an awful pick, but Tua continues to progress and, and start showing signs of maybe being that franchise quarterback that the Dolphins kind of need and were hoping that he'd be. Uh, and this is more and more reaffirming my position on Brian Flores being a fantastic head coach. The, the Dolphins yep. were dead in the water halfway through the season. They get a gritty win on Thursday night against the Ravens uh, a few weeks ago, and they just don't look back. They're now 500 looking at a playoff spot. They're a, they're a fun football team to root for. Yeah, it's great to root for them. They are they are my secondary team. They went from losing, um, I believe, eight in a row to now winning six in a row. Um, but those six wins, the Texans, the Ravens, which, like you said, was a gritty win, mm-hmm. Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets. It, there isn't an easier – there is not an True. easier six-game stretch on a schedule anywhere in the NFL this year. So – Feel great for Miami. You can only play the team on your schedule, all the other cliches, but I'm not sure that it's a very good football team. That's I fair. Think that They'll have the Bills and Patriots coming up, that, I think, right? I think that this finish against the Saints, Titans, and Patriots okay. will show you a little bit more of the real version of who the Miami Dolphins are, and that's from someone who roots for them to win on a weekly basis. Saint, the, uh, Saints Dolphins, the Saints-Dolphins matchup is one I'm looking forward to because I think those are two kind of similar teams. Yeah, but Saints go are ahead. very good. At this point in the season, uh, Cowboys and Giants. Cowboys went at twenty-one to six, continuing to assert their dominance over their divisional foe. Uh, Cowboys defense is what makes them a Super Bowl contender to me this season. Yeah, the offense is great. The offense has so many weapons; it's fun to watch. Um, this defense has 
again, when we're talking about awards, what could be the defensive rookie of the year and defensive player of the year mm-hmm. in Javon Diggs and Michael Parsons. I think that uh, we have a true contender this year in Dallas. Yeah, they the defense has been their concern for however long they've been, you know, competing under in the DAC, not even just the DAC era for as long as we've been watching Dallas Cowboys football. Uh, and they don't really have that close, that tough of a stretch to close out the year. They play Washington again, who, who knows who's playing quarterback there. They're at Philly to close out the year. We know they're not very good. They have Arizona at home, but we also don't know what they're getting from Arizona. I'm intrigued to see how they play against Kyler and, and company there, but uh, they are every bit of a Super Bowl contender, it seems, and have an outside chance at a top seat too. Uh, we got the Titans and the Steelers. Steelers ripping off a win, nineteen to thirteen, against the Titans team that had a chance to seal some things up, create some space, and can't get it done against a lesser team. This is a, you know, a Mike Tomlin led Steelers team, and I think there's a lot of pride in that. Uh, you know, he's never had a losing season as a head coach, mm-hmm. and they're now at seven and six, and. You know, they they got a chance to keep that thing alive. They also have some live playoff hopes as well. So despite Big Ben looking terrible for the majority of the season, uh, despite this offensive line not being able to block the run or the pass, uh, they've really gotten a ton of of quality yards on the ground out of Najee Harris in his rookie season. So I I think that – I I guess I'm not ready to call the Pittsburgh Steelers a playoff team because – to be a playoff team in the AFC in the wild card, you're probably going to need the, you're probably going to need 10, if not 11 mm-hmm. wins. Like, and they're sitting on seven right now with three to play. So you essentially got to win out against the chiefs, the Browns and the Ravens. So I don't think it happens, but um, it's too little too late, but they are doing some good things here in the latter half of the season. Yeah. Looking at this box and I saw some of this cause you know, I was watching red zone, all that kind of stuff. It was a good football game. This is the first time I've actually looked at the box score. Big Ben threw for 148 plays. Najee Harris, who has had a fantastic year, ran for 18 yards on 12 carries. Like, how did they do this? Yeah, I have no idea. The Titans, uh, I think Ryan Tannehill is still a good quarterback, a guy you can win with, but that offense is just so depleted. It seems like they're going to start getting some help help back. It seems like A.J. Brown might be ready to go this weekend. I think they're kind of in just weather the storm mode until we get healthy because once they do i think they go back to being a really good football team but we're learning what we already knew with ryan Tannehill is if he doesn't have his pieces around him he's just an average quarterback but when he does you know what ryan you know what ryan Tannehill is ryan Tannehill is somewhere between kirk cousins and carson wentz it's like yeah you can win football games you could be a winning football team can you win a championship well you better have a jonathan taylor behind you you better have a, a Derrick Henry standing next to you. Um, I don't know that these are guys that can lead a passing attack to a championship. I, I just don't think that that's the case. I'm, pro- I'm probably with you there, but it, it, we don't. We, he absolutely can't or can't win tough football games on the road against good defenses when you're looking at the offense and he is the best player on the offense. That's just not going to work. Texans and Jaguars in the yuck fest of the season, thirty to sixteen. The Texans. Um, Proved to be the less bad team. Brandon Cook, seven grabs. Bucko, two, two touchdowns. Uh, after all of the head trauma he went through and having to consider his uh, career, you know, his his career and his future, it was great to see him ball out like he used to. Um, but I'm not sure I have any uh, grand statements to make about a Texans-Jaguars matchup. No. Uh, I mean, this one was the, the Jags got up. I don't know if you saw this. They got up to like minus six heading into this game. And I don't care 
what this narrative was, the, ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars should never be six-point favorites with this group yeah. against anybody. Uh, and then the Texans showed why, and they showed why in this one. Um, yeah, we kind of touched on Trevor Lawrence. I think it's – you want to call it a lost year, but I think you just kind of try and keep him healthy, hope he shows some progression. Uh, he's, he has all the raw talent in the world, but I think the Jag fans are kind of in the same boat we are. You just hope that your quarterback shows some progress and, and you get to the, uh, the next year – with the right guy, I know, and I, I, I know I'm, I know I'm criminally skeptical about quarterbacks coming out of college and in the draft class. I'm, I, I'm usually like I was on the wrong side of the Herbert conversation. Kyler, um, I was on the. I was, oh, well, forgot Kyler already. Uh, Kyler has got six wins. Yeah, so good for him. But <laughs> if you can't be on the football field, like if you're if you're not healthy. Um, I don't know that he's ever going to be. I know I'm moving the goalposts here, but like, <laughs> yes, I don't know that he's ever going to be what everyone wants him to be. That's fair. Okay, let me let me put it that way. I still i I've come around on Kyler. I love watching him play. I love his style of play. I love that it looks like a baby with a football running around the football field and no one can catch him. It's so much fun. I don't know if he's ever going to reach the MVP Super Bowl heights that other people have put out in front of him. I will say the same thing of Trevor Lawrence. Yes, it's been a tough first season, and he grades out and his tape and this and that. You also have to look the person in the eyes and see a quarterback. I look Justin Fields in the eyes. I hear how he talks. It is a quarterback. Same with Mac Jones. Um, I, I can't make that assessment of, of Zach Wilson. I'd lean towards no. I don't know how. I don't know how much quarterback DNA Trevor Lawrence has in his brain, and, and I'm not saying it, it just seems like it just seems like it's slow to process a little mm-hmm. bit, and that's what I saw coming out of Clemson. I did not like the mild mannered, quiet individual who just kind of didn't like the spotlight. I want a guy who wants to be out there. I want a guy who wants the ball in the fourth quarter. I want a guy who wants to score the touchdown and dap everyone up on the sideline and has a cigar in his mouth after the national championship. Like, give me something. I, I think all of those things while, um, while boneheaded and, uh, and, and intangible, I think that the person is just as important as the player. I believe in Trevor Lawrence, the player. I'm not sure about the person still. I think, and we, we are always going to mention Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence in the same sentence because those were the two most talented quarterbacks coming out of that draft class. I know Fields didn't go second of the quarterbacks, but I think the consensus was he was the second most talented. I think you're seeing these guys kind of now we do see more of Justin Fields being Bears fans than we do with Trevor Lawrence. You've probably seen more of Lawrence in the media, but like it seems like Justin Fields is learning how to lose and learning how to battle through the downswings through the tough times okay. better than yeah. ju- than Trevor Lawrence is. I, it seems and it might might have been tough with Urban Meyer because that was just a toxic to environment. But that said, the Bears are also somewhat of a toxic environment with Matt Nagy. Granted, yeah. it doesn't seem like the players act- actively hate him. They just know he's a bad coach. But like Justin Fields is saying all the right things. Like it seems like he's adapting to losing and learning how to lose for the first time and not like it's not getting to him. It's getting to him, but it's not affecting his play on the field. It seems like the losing Trevor Lawrence is not learning how to kind of live with cope with it. He is letting it get to the, get to him on the field. And it seems like spiraling a little bit more on him than Justin Fields is, if that makes sense. Uh, Bengals and Broncos Bengals peel one off the Broncos 15 to 10. They, you know, I think the best way to put this is they survive this one. Yeah. Uh, Burrow 15 to 22 buck 57, a touchdown. Joe Mixon goes down in the process. 
which I know it's a win. Tough it's a injury loss for them. Within the win, and I don't know what you are without him. So uh, at eight and six, uh, the Bengals are alive, maybe not well. Yeah, um, it's a tough road win, but like I said, like you said, when you when you lose arguably your most important offensive player outside of Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Mixon's what kind of makes that offense go. That's going to be a tough loss, uh, but a good win against a pretty darn tough defense on, on the road in, in uh, Endeavor. Uh, Falcons and Niners. Niners with another win, 31-13, as they continue to climb that uh, NFC playoff picture. We're talking about a coach getting the most out of a team. Kyle Shanahan continuing to succeed, uh, making Jimmy Garoppolo look like a world beater. Interesting situation there uh, in terms of you know what their quarterback situation is going to look like moving forward because Jimmy G has played with a chip on his shoulder, as critical as you want to be about him. Um, again, very similar to Mac Jones. He's doing what's asked of him, and he's being very effective within that. Uh, George Kittle looks to be back to the dominant force. That he so is. good. Debo Samuel is arguably behind Cooper Cup, the top weapon uh, in the NFL. I think it's I think it's a 49ers team that nobody really wants to see early in the playoffs. Yeah, you, your last sentence there was, it ex- was exactly what I was going to say. This 49ers team is quickly becoming the team nobody wants to play. And I do think they're going to get into the playoffs. I don't know the rest of their schedule. I am pulling that up now. Uh, Titans, Texans, Rams. So if they can go two and one, they probably get into the playoffs there. That's the team that nobody's going to want to see. And that's a game, the team like, like the Colts, uh, with a game that travels, the 49ers play a game that travels. And that's, that's going to be a tough out for anybody come playoff time. Packers and Ravens, 31, 30, uh, Ravens go for two because, uh, Harbaugh once again asks his players if they want to do it. Like, yeah, it, I, I'm, that doesn't need to go viral every being time. The players co- yeah. But like it also, at a certain point, I want the head coach who not only knows we're going for two, but has a play call dialed up because he went through this democratic, uh, this democratic, uh, let me pull the guys and see who wants to go for it. You were wasting your time doing that, that you ended up calling a shit play for your two point conversion in which you took a dual threat quarterback. You rolled him right, cut the field in half, and gave him one option. Yeah, Mark Andrews should probably be the top target as you go through your progressions, but we don't need to roll it right at him, bring the entire defense to stand in front of him, and then have Hundley try and fit a ball where there's nowhere to fit a ball. Maybe run a play similar to your touchdown play where you drop him back in the pocket, and if coverage is too sound and the middle of the field breaks down, he walks into the end zone for the win. it was everybody's busy praising um, John Harbaugh about you know being this big players coach and yeah you're in this game that you shouldn't be in against the top team of the NFC with a backup quarterback good on you enough you know enough call a play win a game yeah I don't mind going for two there but that play call was no atrocious. no I don't mind yeah I, mean, I, I think play that's call the right was, call yeah you're dinged up you dinged you don't up, have your starting quarterback, quarterback. you're on down. the road in yeah. Lambeau no they were you're down. You're down. They were home. Excuse me. You're home. You're you're down four corners already. You know that if Aaron Rodgers gets the ball, you don't want to you don't want to put it to a coin flip mm-hmm. and, and you never catch the ball again because you know what Aaron Rodgers does when he gets the football in overtime. I loved going for it. I just want I just want him to be. I want John Harbaugh to be more. Um, I want him to be more convicted in making that decision quickly so you can then get to the more important decision of a play call because it seemed like the play call was an afterthought and 
it ended up costing him the game. Is is Lamar back next week? Do we know that yet? Is he questionable? What's going on? Uh, there? I, I don't think it's, it's been announced. Yeah, I, I it's would. Ankle, it's ankle. It was reported as high ankle at one point, and then Harbaugh said, "No, no, no, no just a sprain." Gotcha. And if it's just a sprain, maybe he's back. But high ankle, you know, you're talking about a month. I'm um, intrigued by and, Tyler Huntley. Like, I he looks yeah. good. He can run the football. I think it seems like yeah, it's very it, small sample size. It, it seems like he throws it a little bit better than Lamar. Like, I this asked might the be question their guy. in the green room. I didn't ask it on air. I asked the question in the green room for what, for the money that Lamar wants to continue to do what he's doing and be your quarterback for the next five to seven years. Mm -hmm. How big is the drop off to Tyler Huntley? If you commit money out of it, how big is the drop off from Lamar Jackson to Tyler Huntley? There's a drop off there. Don't get me wrong. Lamar is special and the things that he does never been seen before, but he still makes mistakes that are inexcusable. And I can't pay you $45 million if you're continuing to make those mistakes with regularity. And if that's what you want, well, then we have to find a different solution at quarterback. Yeah. As talented as Lamar is like, you still need to pay people around him to keep kind of those, those weapons intact. Like he still can't really do it all by himself because he's not the greatest passer. The drop-off to Tyler Huntley is not worth the money that you're going to have to sacrifice paying other people. And if Lamar yeah. wants what, like we, I think we talked about it last week, what Lamar wants, like a Patrick Mahomes type, Mahomes type deal, go. Like I'm not paying you that because that team, if Lamar is making that much money, will uh, you'll turn into the yeah. Seattle Seahawks very quickly. What happened the last? Well, even before that, what happened the last time the Ravens uh, overpaid a quarterback? Exactly. Well. They went from a Super Bowl team to uh, they went from a Super Bowl champion to irrelevant in like ten minutes. You just you can't. I, it sucks that that's. But somebody has to kind of put their foot down. Uh, quarterbacks deserve a lot of money when they deserve it, but now it's just becoming by default like, well, I'm the next guy up, even though I'm not that good. We've won some games, so I deserve a mega deal. Someone's going to have to put their foot down. I think it might be the Browns with Baker, and then it might be the the Ravens with Lamar. But like. Those guys just you, you can figure it out without those guys because the money you're giving them just won't be worth it. It's going to kill the rest of your roster. Saints and Bucks. Saints win at nine nothing. What did you make of this one, Matt? Because it was jaw dropping. It was astounding. I mean, Tom Brady shut out for the first time in forever and ever and ever, and he loses not just his main running back in Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin too. Hamstring that sends him to the IR. Who's Chris Godwin for the season with an ACL? Uh, it's a hamstring for Mike Evans as well. Just decimated in this nine nothing loss of the Saints. Wasn't Dennis Allen? He's he was the he's the Saints defensive coordinator. He's not he was the yeah. acting head coach. Wasn't he the yeah. defensive coordinator in Denver those last couple of years when they gave uh, they gave the, I think he was when they gave the Patriots like problems. Um, so he's he's Fangio he might, is he, what you're telling. I think he might just no. I think he was there under actually the, with the John Fox teams. You know one. Okay. Well, uh, he won the Super Bowl with Denver, and they they went to the other one. I think Dennis Allen was there at that time. Don't quote me on it, but either way, it, it might be him. It might just be the Saints. The Saints just seem to have Tom Brady's number. They need to get healthy. It seems like Fournette's going to go on IR, but he'll be back. Like, I'm st- this is a tough one. This is a bad look. It wasn't quite great, but they also lost thirty eight to three at home on Sunday Night Football to the Saints last year. It turned yeah. out okay. Um, just yeah, this one was a tough go, one. Uh, you go from being a team that's jockeying for that top overall seed to like, mm-hmm. hey, let's try and get a home game here and get our guys back, and we'll see what we can do in the 
playoff. Like you, you got to turn to uh, AB to fill in in that Godwin role, and goodness if you can count on him week to week. Um, yeah. You sign uh, you sign um, Le'Veon Bell uh, off the street to be Ronald Jones's backup. It's just there's there's a, a stench of desperation coming out of Tampa Bay that was thrust on them through uh, 60 minutes of football. So we'll see. Agreed. Raiders and the Browns uh, rescheduled to Monday night, 16-14. The Raiders come away with a win. Um, Browns were just beleaguered, uh, led by Nick Mullins, who we saw have some success in the past with the Niners, but it was not enough. The Browns lose a must-win in heartbreaking fashion. Mullins comes down the field, gets the touchdown, looks like we're going to win the game, and then Derek Carr rips your heart out, 7-7. Yep. Uh, seven and seven. Likely not going anywhere, but uh, the man won't quit. And with everything that the Raiders have been through this season, um, a tip of the cap to D.C. Yeah, good for him. And they, that offense just hasn't been the same since Henry Ruggs' legal issues. And obviously he will probably never play in the NFL again. But they haven't been the same. It was nice. To, it, it's good to see Derek Carr succeed because, like you've said, he's just a very good guy. Uh, he's a good. He's one of the good guys in the league. He's a talented player. He yeah. doesn't have all that much around him. And he threw that one interception that kind of looked like a backbreaker and then still getting the chance to come back, lead his team down the field. Like they, the, he hit Zay Jones and then that got called back. And then he still led them down the field on the same drive. That was a fun, gritty win. And uh, I don't know, Nick Mullins might have just got himself another backup contract that's going to pay him $7 million. I, I, said it, I said it yesterday on air. You can make yourself seven figures in 60 minutes in the, today's NFL. The biggest winner from Thursday night was Nick Mullins. Or uh, Tuesday yes, night, Monday and- night, whatever. I'd almost go as far as to say that the biggest winner was Garrett Gilbert. Um, oh, yeah. Because Orlando God knows star. Went from a practice, went from a P squad guy to uh, 17 points and some good throws uh, against the Eagles. I guess let's mm-hmm. go out of order and go there next. Eagles win it 27 to 17 here on Tuesday night. Jalen Hurts, for my money, played his best football game as a professional 20 of 26 269 a touchdown ran for another two um had an interception that was not him uh just a wonky off the hands off the foot into the Mm -hmm. defense um can't have the fumble but um the back shoulder ball on the last touchdown was uh was heady stuff uh so i think that was a step in the right direction there for jalen hurts totally was um i think he is starting to people were a little bit worried about him obviously early this year with a slower start but he's starting to show some progression show some signs that you know he at least deserves another chance in philly another year and and, you know the chance to keep growing uh rams and seahawks 20 to 10 in a game that uh seahawks hung around uh, and i think that's it was impressive in itself that they were in that game actually leading at a couple of points Mm -hmm. um Tough break on what should have been a DPI. Tough break on Russ underthrowing DK wide open down the left sideline. Um, just, you know, it's coming apart for Seattle as they suffer their first losing season during the uh, Pete during Carroll. The Rus- no, no, Russell Wilson Russ. era. First losing season in the Russell Wilson era. And Russell Wilson's last losing season was actually his sophomore season at NC State in 2009. Wow. So all the dude knows how to do is win and uh, lost the game, and it's a lost season as they now sit at 5-9. and nine. The Rams, it, it felt like one of those just-get-the-W games. It's weird. It's a Tuesday night. Can't really hold their performance against them too much, I don't think. But if Matthew Stafford can limit his mistakes – I, I think this is a team that can beat anyone in the NFL. Now, they also are a team that can 
lose to anybody. Just about anyone. It might be the highest ceiling, lowest floor team in the NFL. Yeah, this was a, a nice win. To see. I know it wasn't against a very good football team, but a team in Seattle that's still very much playing hard. It's not like a team like the Bears where it seems like you have half the locker room is quit. It seems like Seattle's still playing. Like that was a tough, gritty win in, in a weird situation. That like come playoff time, like you're gonna have to win some games like that, win some lower scoring, whatever. Like play play. Like that was a tough, gritty win for them. And in Seattle, it just it seems like it's unfortunate that it seems like the Russell Wilson era there is is gonna come to an end this way. But it, it seems like he's probably out of there this year. Pete Carroll's gonna be out of there. That team's probably gonna see all, a whole big makeover. So it's it's a it's a tough end to see this group this quarterback, this coach kind of go down the drain this way when, man, when they when they won that first Super Bowl, we were convinced that was going to be a dynasty, and now it's just going to – that was the peak of it, never really got back to it, and now it seems like it's kind of coming to an end. Uh, and that is your Week 15 NFL whip round, three weeks to go until we reach playoff football, and there is truly nothing better for me in the world of sports than playoff football. Uh, it's playoff football and bowl season for me, Joe. Bears will uh, – Bears will not be there. Uh, that's okay. But, Less stress. I don't you know, have to worry that's about just Matt a little, Nagy ruining just my a little whatever weight off my heart. You know, it's a little weight off my heart. Do we get the Nickelodeon uh, game again this year? Is that a thing? There is a, there is a Nickelodeon game. Wild Let's Card Weekend. Um, so there will Cannot be wait. another MVP, and we'll see who it is. Uh, but uh, Mitchell always had now, the first. We turn our attention to a uh, quick note here on the NHL and NBA. NHL has paused all games and operations through the Christmas break, which I believe runs to December 26th. They're having outbreaks in a number of different buildings. Uh, the NBA is having singular game cancellations, but uh, but uh, Adam Silver came out on Monday or Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, um, and said, you know, this is the world we live in now. Do not plan on a shutdown. We don't plan on a shutdown. We're going to postpone games. We're going to cancel games. We're going to do what we need to do to keep this thing up and running. But with a largely vaccinated player pool and a, um, you know, a vaccination passport or a vaccine uh, mandate to get mm-hmm. into the stadium. Why can't we play basketball? Why can't we have fans watch basketball? I, I mean, the, the, the topics are so sensitive, but and these guys, these league leaders are in such – uh, unenviable positions mm-hmm. of having to go through this again, and hopefully it is far more brief than uh, what we experienced in the past. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, me too. And I don't know if I've become desensitized to the whole thing. But it's like, all right, Bulls games canceled tonight. All right, Nets games canceled tonight. Like they'll make it up at some point. It's not the end of the world. I, I don't think we're heading back towards some dystopian stay inside for mm-hmm. three months. But what do I know? I don't know. Uh, it. Again, this is such a sensitive topic and you don't want to take too strong of a side kind of either way because I know everybody's been through certain things and all that kind of stuff. And obviously COVID is legitimate and it's here. But like, I think we have gotten to the point where, yes, if you can prove you have the vaccine and you you are vaccinated, like we have our president of the United States even saying like, if you're vaccinated, you're probably going to be fine. You might get it, but like you're in all likelihood going to be fine. That should, if that's the state in your league, then yeah, you should be able to keep operating. And I do think at some point, maybe even next year, I know the players in all leagues are kind of angling for it. I, I think you'll probably see the stop of like mandatory testing daily. You'll probably only have to start getting tested when you're symptomatic, and then you'll start to see some of these, you know, cancellations and all that go down. I think the NHL was in a little bit of a different spot. I didn't love the fact that they decided to shut down, but when you have seven Canadian teams or whatever it is, you have border travel that you have to worry about. Plus you already have that built in Christmas break. 
their decision to say, hey, you know what, we're, we're shutting down for a couple days and in two days anyway, let's just advance that a couple and, and give this some room to breathe. I, I also understand that too. I don't think if they didn't have that built-in break that they would have been so keen on shutting down. Yeah, um, let's hope it gets back to normal here in short order. I'm interested now. to see in the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. The, the MLB is the first group that has, and obviously their collective bargaining discussion is a whole different topic for a different time because it's probably going to be a mess. But this is the first collective bargaining discussion coming up since this pandemic and since the, the testing mandates and all that kind of stuff. I'm very intrigued to see what the players and the owners and all that, what, what they kind of settle on in terms of, you know, testing policies and COVID policies, because that is a newfound territory that, that yeah, they had to negotiate it a little bit last year to return to play, but this mm-hmm. is what's going to stick for a while now. And it, it's the first group that's going to have to include that negotiation. So I, I'm interested to see where players and kind of owners meet in the middle on that side, and what they end up settling on. Uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Um, we do have to talk about Tiger and Charlie because we are a Tiger pod. We are a golf pod. PNC, Tiger and Charlie absolutely blitzing it on Sunday. I mean, what more can be said? It's so such an emotional weekend to see Tiger back out there, um, not just – not just plotting it around, but hitting some crazy shots, mm-hmm. flighting some crazy balls, and then to see him doing it next to his son, who a year over looks so developed in his golf game, and they just look like they have so much fun out there. But at the same time, like you can see that their kindred spirits and their competitiveness as well. Like Charlie's got a stink face going sometimes. It was just, it, it was truly like, and I know this might be overstating it. It was my favorite golf event non-major that I've watched probably I mean there have been some great ones in recent memory but like I, I put it up there with the best golf event that I've watched in a very long time it's it was fantastic to watch and I, I obviously had an awesome time watching Tiger and Charlie it was great seeing Tiger back out there I did love that he got the uh, the cart treatment that was that was fantastic and it's funny to see him kind of slow riding in the cart while next to Charlie while he was walking um it was it was fun to see like it's, it's fun to see all of those guys too though obviously Tiger and Charlie were rightfully the stars of the show but like it's cool to see John Daly out there with his kid who's, you know, a pretty decent golf prospect. It was cool to see Justin Thomas out there with his dad, who his dad had, that had some health issues in, in the last year or so. Like, it's cool to see these guys in a different type of format. And I know this is more of an exhibition kind of than it is a real, like, tournament tournament. But, like, with the su- success of this, with the success of the match play tournaments, like, it'd be intriguing to see, not, not all the time, because golf should be, you know, yourself and all these tournaments but be intriguing to see if they add any more of these I don't, I don't gimmicky isn't quite the right word but different format types of tournaments to kind of allow these types of situations and unique different mm-hmm. golf viewing experiences to happen totally overshadowed by the woods is where the dailies but um i that's the one thing this was missing joe we needed a playoff between tiger and charlie oh and again like, john and john and little john well think think of, think of the times that you know jd and tiger have gone at it whether it was you know at uh, yeah. harding park or in other moments like this is and to see their sons battling it out now and JD2 looking like an absolute hoss, like hitting it further than John and awesome. headed to Arkansas where he's going to bomb it all over the place. And like, okay, what, what the thought I had too is like, it's probably really cool sometimes to have your dad be John Daly and then other times it's really hard 
to have yeah. your dad be John Daly, similar with Charlie and your dad being Tiger Woods, but like, you know, JD being this party animal and people assuming things of your dad. And like, it just seemed like we, we had a laid back. John Daly was just so thrilled to be out there playing with his son. And we had a JD who was like really happy to be out there with his mm-hmm. dad. Like, you know, the, the father son, the father son um, relationship can can be complicated and it can be further complicated on a golf course as I can speak to uh, my experience of, you know, that, that struggle when you're starting to get better than dad. And I think that that's where the dailies are right now. And to see that firsthand on national television and then both enjoying it, it was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that was, it was, it was, really it was cool. fun to watch. And again, just wish we got a playoff between those two. Cause that would have been just all time fun to watch, but okay. So we do have to, to, we do have to, we do have to ask the, um, the cliche question of the low hanging fruit question sure. here. And uh, everything that Tiger has told us has been temper expectations. Mm-hmm. It's been hold on. It's been, I need time. It's been, I'm 50%. It's been, I'm a long way off from walking a golf course four days in a row. It's been, I'm not even thinking about competing against the best in the world right now. And then he's hitting like 30 yard cut shots mm-hmm. um, off the tee. And then he's, um, he, he's doing, amazing things around the green and he's tying his shoes even before the round he's got his foot up on his car his reconstructed leg up on his car tying his shoes like i I don't think think he's do you think he's got augusta circle do you think he's got yes i I think he i'm not saying he's going to play there i think in his head that is now like we've talked about you know we talked about maybe next year uh you know being the real like actual target to be like a competitive golfer again I think he's going to do everything in his power to play at Augusta. It might just be Augusta this year. That might be the only time yeah. you see him, or maybe even maybe a tune-up if he can get a cart, uh, you know, before then. But I, I think with him, and I was texting back and forth with my dad a little bit about it. The golf is there, like the the comfort and letting one rip, like the he's going around the green. Far enough, that's the ball there. speed was there. It's but, legitimately yeah. the physical, like you, you said it, even just there. Not sure he can walk four days of a golf course. That's what I'm concerned let about. Alone, and that's where he needs let to Let alone get to. one of the most undulating yes. and highest elevation change courses that they play throughout the entire season at Augusta. Can he I'm sure play Tiger knows the flat of, spots. And yep. Tiger knows not just how to play it, but he knows how to how walk, walk it, it. too uh, he, better than anyone, I'm sure. But he's, um, he's fully ca- in, I'm, I'm, in my opinion, he's fully capable of playing golf four days in a row. But is he capable? And he's still got some time. Obviously, there's there's months to go. Uh, but is he capable of walking that golf course four days in a row while playing also under this net? Now, who knows? Maybe it's only two. If he's in a bad spot, he might not make a cut, which no one would blame him for. But, like, you know what? Is he capable physically of actually doing everything it takes to play in the tournament, not just playing golf? That's kind of still where he's working towards. I think in his head, knowing Tiger, like, we not that we obviously know him personally, but knowing the competitor we've watched for however many years now, that guy wants to play at Augusta, and he's going to do everything in his power to play at Augusta. Um, I don't know what the USGA rulebook says on piggyback rides, but Joe LaCava needs to start working on those casts. That's, That's all fair. I'm saying, hey, right? hey, it's no carts at Augusta, but I there's no I don't think there's a rule that says no rule against piggyback rides. Can he get a second caddy? Can he have you know Joe carry the bag and then maybe get whoever his trainer, strength coach, person to, out yeah. out there piggybacking him across Augusta? <laughs> I, you know, another thought I had just to kind of tie everything in and go full circle here, like. I'm really looking forward to, like, what will we say? Charlie's what right now? 12? Yeah. I'm looking forward to seven years from now, an aging tiger walking around Augusta with Charlie on the bag. 
that's going to be cool. That will be cool. That's going to be really, really cool. Yes, Charlie's going to have his own career, and if he wants to go into competitive golf, he's probably going to be very successful with what we've seen out of him at a young age here. But, like, Charlie on the bag for dad at Augusta, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get choked up right now thinking about a hypothetical seven years from now. That that's gonna be cool. Um, Matt, we do need to keep this thing rolling here. Uh, we have a mailbag. We have some locks of the week, and we got to say goodbye. What would you like to do? Uh, let's do the locks first, and then we can get into the, the mailbag. Somewhat Christmas related, so that, I feel like that's a good note to to finish out on. Let's let's do some locks. You won. Sit. I sit at ten and five. You sit at nine, nine and six. six. Now here's here's a lesson that needs to be learned. You download, you subscribe, you follow the Moose and Moons podcast, you listen to it right when it drops, and you mm-hmm. make the bets when we give them to you. That's true. I gave you Washington football team Eagles under 44 and a half. You know how many points there were in that game? 44. You know what that ticket is to most people because they bought it day of? That's an over ticket because the line closed at 40. Buy it when we tell you to buy it That's because I got a winner for you. Those people giving out the picks on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, those are losing tickets if you had the under. It's a winning ticket for me, so I moved to ten and five. Matt, you fall to nine and six because you messed around and bet on the bear. You, you know, I, I got I, I flew close. To the, I, I flew close to the sun fading the bears. I thought my okay. overplay was a fade of the bears um, because I figured, and yeah. I my thinking was okay. And hey, honestly, it, it was. I think it might even be in the right line of thinking because the bears had eight red zone trips. And them going 0 for 8 was not what I would have thought would have happened. I thought they'd at least get two. Um, but that's, hey, that's on me. I should never trust a Matt Nagy coached offense um, or I guess a Mike Zimmer coached offense to be any aggressive, any bit aggressive at all whatsoever. But nine and, I, I can live with 9 and 6. I'm 9 and 6. If I'm losing to 10 and 5, I can live with that one. All right, we're done bet-splaining. Let's give some people some picks here, Matt. I'm going with the Ravens catching two and a half at the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a little bit of fool's gold. You got a dinged-up Joe Burrow that showed in his regression numbers-wise with the finger. If you don't have Joe Mixon, which it doesn't look like you're going to have Joe Mixon, that team is not very good. The two and a half tells me that Lamar won't be playing again this week because he's still Mm -hmm. up in the air. But from what I saw to Tyler Huntley, I think he can go to Cincinnati and beat that team outright if he just keeps throwing the ball to Mark Andrews. Give me the two and a half points with the Ravens on the road. I was going to go with the Titans playing or getting three and a half at home, but I, I actually, in my explanation of when we were talking about the Steelers game, kind of talked myself out of it because I don't know their health situation and the way the Niners are rolling around right now. That that could not it could be bad news for me. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers. It's, it was a lot of points, but they're laying nine and a half at Houston. I know Houston looked fine against Jacksonville last week, but from what I saw from the Chargers against Kansas City they lost that game but they played really well and if you win that game maybe you have a little bit less of a sense of urgency now you have a little bit more of a sense of urgency and they need to win out they need to do it pretty impressively um so I'm gonna go with the Chargers I just I I love Justin Herbert I'm fading the Texans here uh give me the Chargers land the nine and a half all right uh those are your locks of the week Matt why don't you reach into that mailbag and uh pull us out some some Christmas treats yeah this is uh it's a mailbag from um friend of the pod matt rooney it's myself okay um oh and i i want to just so, I so wait, wait so you're essentially asking me for advice is well, yeah this, I, well, I just want to it's not necessarily okay this is this is we've talked food on the podcast before we've talked cooking and all that stuff i want to air it uh-huh. out i want to get some and hey if we talk about it who knows maybe some cooking fans that listen to the pod like my brother or something might shoot me a quick text like here how's how's here's how i do it um for christmas i'm, I'm responsible for dinner on christmas eve for making the uh the main course, which I have decided is a, is a pair of very large tomahawk steaks. 
Um, they're, now, when like, you say very large, I think they're like forty-five ounces. They're pretty big. Yeah. Uh, so those are like roasts. You're making a roast. Not quite a roast because I don't think it's going to be quite as like. I don't think it's going to be like when you make a roast. Like I, I feel like it's a lot thicker and like there's just a lot more to it. Whereas okay. the, the ribeye is a little bit flatter, so the cook time isn't quite going to be the same. Like I've done the sear method. I've done the reverse sear. I, I've done kind of low and slow, and then finish out finish off on the uh, the cast iron skillet. But with a this 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 meat is such like an in between roast and steak that I don't necessarily uh, know the best way to go about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my research. Yeah. I'm gonna look up and talk to some people. But so how would you go about this? So my advice to you would always be: I like a, a regular sear, not a reverse sear. So sear first and then into the oven to mm-hmm. finish internal. I like but that. The problem is the problem is there is what are you gonna sear it on? Because your tomahawk bone is in the yep. way if you're trying to get that into a cast iron pan. Um, unless you have like, I a think griddle. what I, I, like I believe, like a cast I iron griddle, you want to, I'll be doing this at my mom's. I think she okay. does have a cast iron griddle if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So that you're might be the way to the go windows. about this. You're going to want to open all the windows, get that griddle ripping, um, to where you start seeing a little smoke coming off of it. Mm-hmm. Just whatever your, your, uh, fat of choice is there. You want something with a high smoke point. Um, yeah. so you're not getting too crazy. You want to get a nice sear on each side. Don't worry about what the inside is looking while you're seeing you're oh, no, your not outside at all. color you're creating your crust you get that you, can, you, you sear that to look like how you want it to look on the outside so of your taste i, I, I usually i usually wouldn't advise this but seeing as how you're dealing with almost a roast type piece of yeah. meat you got to get a thermometer you got to get it oh 100 you got to get yeah, so yeah, I, I got just, the thermometer just fine and i'm not sure i'm not sure what your temp is going to be i think you're going to be looking for like I could be wrong here, but like 125 internal because when you get it off of there, it's, it's going to rest. Yeah. It's going to rest for like, especially a piece of meat that big, you're going to rest like 135, 140. Um, just, just find your, just find your, your temp, your internal temp, like go online, find your internal temp you, that you want and yeah. just play it straight from there. You're going to have a, you're going to have a beautiful experience if you get the sear right. I think that's all you have to that's worry key. about. Once you, once you get the thermometer into it, um, it's pretty foolproof at yeah. that point. It's like, don't cut it too soon, get it to the temperature and you're done. But yeah, I think the key for me your- is getting it out there early enough. And then you got, you, it's just, it's, it's easy to forget to do, but you got to take it out before it's done at that temp. And then you really just have I, to I, let I'm it set big, for 10 minutes. I'm a big proponent on, you know, cooking with your gut and mm-hmm. feeling it and, and feeling that piece of meat when it feels like it's that perfect mid rare. And mm-hmm. then you cut into it. It's like, got it right again and like you're all jacked up but like when you're dealing with this the room for error is so small that you need to you don't want to serve people a black and blue steak unless no. that's what they want no, and you not. also don't want to you also don't want to kill the thing so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm just putting you i want you to fix your mind on that sear you know so you so you trap all those juices so you have a nice external crust really um and oh one thing that i've been doing lately i i saw a chef i forget who it was you know usually you a good piece of meat salt and pepper is all you yeah. need uh, and then you sear i saw a chef say no pepper just salt when searing especially when you're hard searing because salt whatever happens to it molecularly it just becomes a part of the meat it flavors the meat pepper actually burns if Interesting. It's on the cast iron too long so you get a little bitter taste out of the burned pepper okay so Not you just go salt. bothered me but but like i like the thought process behind yeah. it you go just salt and then you let people pepper on the back end if they're looking for a peppy mm-hmm. more peppery flavor you just don't if you're going to have a big piece of meat like that in the pan for a substantial amount of time at a high heat you don't want to burn your pepper is some new game that i'm that i'm 
up on lately. I think that, that that's, I think, cause we have two and obviously like we have two and pretty much with, you know, sides and stuff. If one isn't quite as good as the other, only parts of it are, are you know, whatever, like one will still feed like five people if you need it. And to. that's the, that's so the beauty too. One, is yeah, you're one's probably going to have like a, a variance closer to the bone, a little more raw away yeah. from it. You're going to have a little more, co- so you're going to, everybody's going to get what they want. Exactly. So I'm going to have the one where I, I'm going to take that advice, do just the salt. I, I am going to try not the pepper because that's interesting. I've not heard that, but that makes a whole lot of sense. And then I think mm-hmm. a second one, I might play around with like, you know, some Cajun seasoning or make it a little bit spicy and kind of see if I can. Ooh, but the, I like that. The Cajun ribeye at Chicago Cut might be the, the greatest steak I've ever had. And I, I want to like toy around with that a little bit and like see if I can't not quite replicate that because I'll never be. Yeah, able you got to it. I love it. that. But you know, I toy around that. with it. See, see what I can do on that. But I, I like I'm that. excited. I'm, on the normal one, you know, I always advise, you know, if you really want to, if you really want to crank it up a notch, if you're going to sear on the, if you're going to sear on the, um, uh, if you're going to sear on the griddle, then you go into the oven with it. Then come out of the oven with it and do a quick brown butter baste. Mm, so yeah. mm-hmm. on, on the stove, you're going to have a little butter going with some garlic and maybe even some rosemary in there. Yeah. You get the steak. The rosemary just, butter is you're just li- you're just you're just you're just wafting. You're wafting. You're splashing. You're wafting. And then you're off. You let it rest. You let that all settle. And I mean, you're looking at a you're looking at a merry Christmas, I, Joe. I will I will send you pictures. I will send you oh, pictures when it's done. I can't wait. My, my, might make it to the Moose and Runes Twitter account. Uh, we shall see. If we're lucky. That has been and I remember. Tomahawk Talk. That's Tomahawk Talk here on the Moose and Runes podcast. That's a new segment. 234. Tomahawk That's a new segment. Talk. We can talk steaks. We can talk Kansas City Chiefs. Blackhawks. We Black can Hawks. talk cheese. <laughs> uh, we can talk Atlanta Braves. Atlanta That's Braves. Tomahawk Talk. A lot of things. You can't talk Cleveland <laughs> Indians anymore. They're, the, they're, they're out Guardian. of Tomahawk Go Guardian. Talk. Go Guardian. Uh, uh, but, a, but a Merry Christmas to you, to the family, to as always, Matt. I sent my love. Um, give them all my best. I know Rooney Christmas is uh, something to behold. I know the events have already started. Um, I know that there's already some fun has already been had. Oh, yeah. And uh, a Merry Christmas to you and yours. I send my love and we send our love to you guys, the Moose and Roots listeners. Thank you as always for tuning into the Moose and Roots podcast. Another year down. We appreciate you guys. We will have a, uh, a year-end pod coming your way next week. But for now, he is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. We bid you adieu. Merry Christmas. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.